Eight years ago, three nerds created a little independent wrestling podcast that could, but over time, that podcast has grown into not just covering wrestling, but all things under the nerd rainbow. From Marvel to the Muppets, from Frank Sinatra to Count Chocula, from Mickey Mouse to CM Punk. Now, here is some combination of Chad, Zach, and Luna as we welcome you to the IndieCast. All nerd, all the time, exclusively on the WNR. Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the IndieCast. Chad Allen here by himself today, everybody. It's a uh, it's a Barbara Walter special today with uh, just little old me. Zach is on assignment elsewhere. Uh, but worry not, it's not just me by myself. Uh, I have a guest with us today on the on the show. Uh, if you follow him on a regular basis, you'll know he used to be a cast member at Disney. Uh, and for any of you that have heard that intro and went, that sounds really familiar. It's because it should. Uh, I have lucked out, and uh, the one, the only Dapper Manatee, straight from TikTok, has agreed to be on the episode with us. So uh, I guess I don't know if I should call you Dapper Manatee. I probably should have asked that in advance. What What would your preference be, sir? Welcome to the IndyCast. Hey, how's it going? I, I mean, it's up to you. A lot of people call me Dapper. Some call me Daddy Manatee. I've heard a lot. I I will go with Dapper then. I like that one. So Sounds good. Uh, so, Deborah, on the podcast, uh, we start every podcast off with five questions we like to call the lightning round. Um, kind of get some of the basic, normal, dumb podcast questions out of the way that every podcast seems to ask. Uh, and usually it falls completely off the rails by, like, uh, question three. Um, so let's get started with that one. Uh, the first one, uh, you are known, obviously, like I said at the beginning of the intro, for being a former cast member of Disney. That tends to be what your TikToks are about. Uh, when did you start? When did you start working at Disney? Uh, let's see. I think I started work at Disney in 2012. Okay. Something like that. I did a college program, and so I was down there for a while, and then I uh, left and came home for like six months, and then just slipped under the radar and came back, and then I worked there for like another four or five years. Okay, so you definitely put some time in with the with the. With the mouse here, excellent. Uh, what is your all-time favorite Disney movie? My all-time favorite, Heavyweights. You ever seen Heavyweights? I have. Very interesting choice. Why? Why Heavyweights? That was I was expecting a classic or something like that. So I, I like the fact that you turned it on me. What What is it about Heavyweights that you like? <laughs> well, it's it's I don't know. It's one of those movies that I was the right age when it came out, and okay. it's uh, it's weird. It's a weird movie. It, it doesn't seem like a Disney movie. It's a Judd Apatow movie. Right. Um, and it randomly has people in it that were not famous in the 90s, but were. Um, the cameraman is the uh, one of the guys that's always in the Adam Sandler movies, one of his best friends. And, uh, you know, Ben Stiller's the bad guy. Right. And Keenan Thompson's in it when he's a kid. It's ridiculous, but I, like I think I've seen that movie probably four or five hundred times. Okay, good it's choice. Um, <laughs> you are uh, you are uh, are known for having uh, lots of Doctor Who tattoos, and you're obviously a Whovian. Uh, who is your favorite Doctor? Oh man, yeah. Now everybody always asks that. I think my favorite, yeah. if I was going to list one, is Matt Smith. But okay. honestly, I just like all the Doctors. I've never really, I never really like to pick. Each one has its own style and their own thing going on, and I just 
you know, I'm in the moment with whatever one's on. So I always say the doctor is my doctor. Whichever. And I, I, uh, I saw a thing on Facebook once that talked about like the cycle of being a Whovian where it's like you get the new doctor and you're like, I don't know how I feel about this one. And then you get into a few episodes and it's like, okay, not too bad. And then you get near the end of his run. It's like, this was the best doctor ever. He, he should never leave. And then they regenerate. And then you have to start the cycle all over again. So, um, yeah, pretty much. I think the one that, that got me the most was, um, when, when actually when Matt Smith left, uh, that was probably the hardest one for me to get into the new doctor, but that was, uh, but ultimately he became one of my favorites too. Yeah. So same. I mean, that there was Matt Smith's whole season, you know, setup was a huge piece of the doctor who history. So it's hard to watch him leave, but Peter quality was fantastic. So it was nice to watch him come in, you know, and then they went into a completely darker thing, but the darker thing was so good. Absolutely. No, I think I discovered I liked Capaldi more the longer his hair, the crazier his hair got, the more I liked it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that was exactly, but that's how it worked out. So I can see that. Yeah. It does uh, seem like the more they let him loosen up, he, he got to do so much more than that at the beginning of his run. Oh, absolutely. So, <clears throat> uh, question four If you are, uh, you're, let's, you're lost on a deserted island. You only get one CD to bring with you to keep you entertained. What is that? What is that CD or band that you're listening to? Oh, that's an easy one. It's uh, songs from an American movie by Everclear. Okay. I listen to that album uh, over and over again. It's my favorite album. Perfect sound. I think that would be the only one that wouldn't drive me nuts. <laughs> I got to see uh, Everclear once with. Um, space hog in concert and they were both excellent it was a really good show so uh I got them let, to, uh what? what was it um not eat to the beat i think it was food and wine uh, everclear came and played and i got up there and i got art to sign my arm and then i ran home really fast and i tattooed the the signature on so it would stay and uh still got it i got it put into a uh into the galaxy on my arm this time but uh, I still hope I get to see him one day because he drew it and he said, uh, I'm going to do this big. Let's see if you actually get the tattoo. And uh, here I am. Still got it. And you did the tattoo yourself. Have you, have you been a tattoo artist for a while or was this something you were uh, um, working with? I started wearing the tattoo in 2000 and, oh, 2008, 2009, okay. something like that. Uh, I was a body piercer for years. And my buddy that tattooed me was uh, wondering if I wanted to learn how to do it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't really draw a lot. And so I kind of started doing that. And I mean, that's where the art all started in the first place was I had, I learned to tattoo for a job and then it just became more and more. But yeah, I've been tattooing myself for years. The the hardest on my arm I did myself. Was just um, gonna ask how many how many of the tattoos have, uh, that are on you that you because you have a lot of tat you have a lot of tattoos. Um, oh man, probably probably fifty percent. Okay. Um, every everything on my leg I did myself, and then any basically anywhere I can reach, uh, I've tattooed myself. And then the, the person that taught me to tattoo has done all the other ones, so it's only been the two of us. Okay. But yeah, no, it's. it's Tattoos have been, been a huge part for a long time at this point. So, uh, 
Last question for the lightning round, uh, and it's the one that I always kind of find the most important. Uh, Marvel or DC and why? Oh, man. I, my problem is I always go Marvel, um, but I like an upbeat story. Uh, but, right. man, I do like some DC stuff. I'm, yeah, I really like uh, the Doom Patrol, and I'm a huge Nightwing fan. So it's, it's hard to not choose DC, but most of those stories are so depressing that I, I always got to go with a Marvel uplifting. Uplifting yeah, just kill half the cast and not the whole cast. Right, exactly. Well, very nice, sir. Well, we made it out of the lightning round. So uh, let, let me ask you first about TikTok, because I, I'm, I'm a fairly new resident of TikTok, and apparently it may not it may not last much longer, so I, I should probably <laughs> yeah. enjoy it while I can. Um, what what got you onto TikTok recording videos, and wh- when was it when you kind of realized, oh, I, I might have a fo- I might like have a following here on this one because you're at what like 200k plus right now if I remember last time I looked. So yeah, like 211 or something ridiculous. Um, I still don't even know why people follow me. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, I, I got my my daughter was just getting into kindergarten, and I was trying to figure out what to do next. And I really had this idea to start selling art and working with stuff I'd already been doing. And um, we've been kind of looking at TikTok a little bit, and I kind of I really liked the flow and how it worked. And uh, you know, the pandemic started and. I kind of had to stop and look at what I was doing and figure out what I wanted to do. And uh, so I got on there and I was, I was basically just doing simple videos of artwork, um, you know, nothing big. And then I did a story about, what was it? A penguin at the St. Louis Zoo, I think mm-hmm. it was. And it blew up and everybody was told me that they liked the way I told stories. And I was like, well, you know, I get that. And so I kind of did another one. And then I started talking about Disney stuff, and that got huge real fast. Um, and I don't know, man. Like, the thing is, is I don't know what, what pulls people in. Uh, something about my flow people like, but, I, you know, I hear myself all the time, so I don't understand any of it. Right. <laughs> you know, I think I'm annoying, so I appreciate that people enjoy it. But uh, I always tell my wife, I'm like, half the time I finish a video, I go, like, I don't know if I was rambling. Or if that was coherent, I really hope it was coherent. Right. And then I'll listen to it. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I got the, I got the point in there. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, just kind of blind luck. Uh, I put my foot out there to see what I could do, and people liked it. Very nice. So, and, and I, uh, I, I can tell you at least the reason I sub- I ended up subscribing because I've been a subscriber be- long before I decided to reach out for the podcast. Um, yeah. Well, it, it's part the it, it is part your flow. It's the way you do it. Um, but you are a, a in a world of negativity out there. You are very opposite of that. You are very much yeah. like uh, the like the shot of serotonin that some people I think need from time to time. With even when yeah. you're like talking, uh, you know, about something. <laughs> uh, and I definitely a couple topics I'm going to want to talk about here in a minute. Like when you've got videos of like a guy that's screaming at a, a cast member because he tried to put lifts in the kid's shoes to get them on a ride they couldn't get on. Or when you're, you know, when you're talking about the guy that was showing up to the parks dressed as Walt, um, it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, you, 
you didn't necessarily, I, I don't think you had anything uh, totally against it other than the fact that like it just sets a bad precedence. But even when you're yeah. kind of, it's almost being a little negative, it's still a, a positive outcome. And I think that's, I think that's probably why people have, have zeroed in so much on it. Um, yeah, I, and I tell you, I appreciate it at least. So that, I mean, that's the thing is you got to make positives out of the negatives. There's nothing, right? Not much we can do. That's that's all I've learned is it's all just a big, you know, life's a big game to an extent, and uh, you either play along or you don't. And right. but it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're mad or happy or what. It doesn't change the outcome of the game. You just have to play. And so you know, take it all with a grain of salt. And I think working at Disney taught you that you have to pay take people in general with a grain of salt. Because yes. they, uh, everybody's got this blown up ego. They, they, and I always tell my wife, I said, people, when you talk to them are never listening. They're waiting to say what the next thing they want to say is. And it's not everybody, but, uh, it happens way too much. Yes. You know? And so you get people like that and I'll start talking about it. And I always tell, you know, I always talk about like, I can have a whole conversation about how somebody's saying something ridiculous. But it's because they know it's ridiculous, but people like to tap dance around reality. They like to make it sound like they're they're correct, even if they know they're wrong or they know the reason it is. And I always say we even do it with politicians now. We do this thing where we go, we know we're we know you're lying. Like we know it. But since you didn't say you were lying, we can't say anything. And so I feel like the rule is is if you're doing something ridiculous, I will call you out. And I will point out the reasons you're being ridiculous, but I'm not hating on you. I'm just setting up the point where we should be. People should know what your bullshit is. Right. You know. Well, interesting. You, you're going to segue me beautifully on this one here because I did have this listed as a topic. Speaking of politicians and bullshit and probably lying to us, uh, I live here in the state of Florida and sadly I have to deal with Ron DeSantis. Um, what, what are your thoughts, especially with the news coming out of how Disney has handled the Reedy Creek scenario, um, by basically pulling an okie doke uh, from what it looks like on DeSantis, what are your just thoughts on overall on what DeSantis did? And then the, the bit of an okie doke that Disney's lawyers apparently just pulled on it. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous in the first place. He, he was just trying to pull political points. Um, he really wanted it to make it look like he was doing something huge. But we kept talking inside the Disney circle about it. And we were like, all he's going to do is give Disney an out. They were never going to have to pay for the things that uh, the Reedy Creek then. It gave them a reason they didn't have to. The only reason Reedy Creek's in place is because Disney didn't want to have it, didn't want anybody to have to complain that it took too long for like EMTs to get to the amusement park or a fire department to get there. So they created their own. All this did was take out of their hands having to pay it. They put it into the state's hands. And so we were like, this is ridiculous. Disney's probably happy as happy-go-lucky. So we were all ignoring it on that fact. And then today we find out that they were just quiet, you know, not quietly, but smoothly slipping in that they were just going to uh, control that whole thing. And uh, I, we, we weren't surprised However, it's uh, it's a mess, and I think right. Disney knew what they were going to do straight away. I said, I bet there was a lawyer sitting at home, watched that 
the Santas come out there and say that we're going to do this, this, and this. And they were like, yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> and had already had it set up 45 minutes after it started. Right. You know, and I love, that's that, right. I yeah. love a lot of people are like, you know, oh, DeSantis is going to take it to court. And, and I had somebody that told me that, that we were talking about this today. And goes, do you think Disney lawyers haven't looked at every possible way that this this could be brought to court and have already like argued it out in such a way that there's no way that anybody's getting around this? And I thoroughly oh, believe yeah. that's the case. That Disney pays way too much for their lawyers to have anything like mm-hmm. that be a, be a thing. So, well, I saw one person today say something about this is politicians finding out how the business works in the corporate world, and it is it's. You know, you think that you've got the best lawyers until you're talking to one of the biggest corporations in the world, and then you realize your lawyers are no nothing. You just you yeah. don't have it. You know, Disney always had three steps ahead, and we, you know, I feel a little bad that we all kind of went, no, they're probably trying to figure this out, but they probably weren't figuring out anything. They probably already had it figured out. Yeah, they were just waiting to shift their their pieces. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a mess. It never, it never in a moment was it going to hurt Disney. And actually now it's perfect because now they have full control and the state of Florida is going to be paying for it. So now they're just in the same situation they already wanted to be with all the cards. And, you know, they they put them there. Disney would have just quietly kept doing what they were doing and nobody would have ever messed with them. And this just shifted all their plans to basically be petty. Right. Over just what were what were your thoughts on how Disney handled the because the, the, the whole setup of this for and for those that don't know the whole kind of setup of this and the reason Governor DeSantis got involved with this was basically because he set up a a, a bill here for the in the state of Florida that's don't say gay which yeah. is just ridiculous in my world but w- yeah. be what it is um, and the fact that Disney basically just looked at that originally it kind of started to like all right well we'll just but when people push back disney went you know what no we're gonna keep saying gay because uh, it you know like the you know there's definitely days where it's an entire yeah. celebration what, what what were your thoughts on kind of how disney handled the initial don't say gay portion of it um i whenever it first started i didn't think they handled it very well but i mean at that time they were trying to keep their heads low um, and I think once all of the workers, which a large portion of them are in the LGBTQ community, um, spoke up, they realized they were hurting their own families. And so they finally spoke up. And the idea that it's been called as a political thing makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, people now, basically, if you disagree, they instantly call it a political issue. But that's just people's lives. They just are just living their lives. And right. Disney backs the people that they work that work for them. And they got mad, and I can't, I can't imagine. But I, anything where you put in that, uh, just like the Don't Say Gay bill, I don't get it. You can't make things disappear because you don't like it. They don't right. just go away. Right. And the idea that we're not going to say something and that's going to make it all go away is ridiculous. Right. But again, that's, that's those little things in humans that they just want to pretend like if they can control that, they control it all, and they don't. Um, another thing I'm very interested to get your opinion on Disney wise is 
the changing uh, the changing or adjustments of rides. They they obviously just closed down Splash Mountain not that long ago. They're changing it over to Tiana Ride, which I think is long overdue. But again, my opinion. Um, I I laugh every time a ride changes um, at Disney because I immediately go on to like Disney pages on like Facebook and head right for the comments because yeah. there is nothing more entertaining than Disney fan comments coming out about a ride changing. I think my favorite one was when Maelstrom became Frozen, and mm. I couldn't believe how many people said Maelstrom was their favorite ride at the parks. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're you're no, you're not. lying. You're you're telling you're not telling the truth here. Unless you, you happen to be from that area of the world, no. you're lying. So yeah. But, you know, people will do that with every attraction, though. Anytime something closes, they instantly have a nostalgia for it. It's the it's the senior effect. It's the you you're gonna leave school all of a sudden. You love school, and right. so they always fight for these rides. Which, if you'd have wrote it, they would have just left it in there to save the money. But you didn't, and that's fine. But also, people, there, Disney has done this issue where they created a world where it's built on their classics and their characters. But also, they're supposed to always keep moving forward. You can't stop uh, building new things. But also, they've made a whole brand based on their classics and their vintage stuff. And uh, that's why I always say, I'm like, they need to build a park that's like a retirement park so they can stick uh, all the old stuff there and make it like a museum, but then still keep building new things. Right. You know? Heck, there's a channel on YouTube that basically I think that's kind of their whole thing. That defunct land is going over old old rides and stuff, and and making a virtual park out of it. I think that probably wouldn't be a horrible idea. Except who? Well, Disney would find the land. I promise. If they wanted to, they would find the land for it. But yeah. But so, uh, is there any rides there that you've that you've ridden that you're like, why haven't they changed this yet? <laughs> Mission Space. Yeah, no, that's, really? that's okay. about it. I mean, I, the thing is, is it's a, it's a classic. It's like a cult classic. People love it, but it's just a weird attraction um, to just kind of be there. Uh, but now it's it's got its whole own restaurant, so that's pretty cool. That's true. But as a whole, if I was going to look at any of the rides, that one I just don't, you know, it it takes a huge footprint and not enough people come through it for it to really be there. But I think people would be very upset if it was gone. However, I think they would be fine as long as they created into like uh, Horizons again. I think everybody would be happy. But as a whole, I, it takes up far too much room for what it is. And they changed the story not too long ago, but not very well. And the whole thing's run on like Windows 98. It's not like it's even a very well put together attraction. But uh, it keeps chugging along. I was going to say, I believe you've talked before that that was a ride that you tended to work a, a fair amount, right? Was was uh, was was that particular ride? Wasn't that one of the ones you were normally stationed at? Yeah, Mission in Space was my uh, was pretty much where I was the most of the time. I was at Nemo okay. probably for you know forty thirty percent of that time. Okay, uh, Mission Space was uh, where I was most of my full time position. So, so, so yeah, you, I wore the pajamas every day. <laughs> are those uniforms comfortable at all? Some of them look like they are, and some right. of them I feel bad. I feel bad for some members. I feel bad for some of the cast members. Yeah, some things are, you know, it all depends on where you're at. But I mean, 
uh, Toy Story and, and the Seas wasn't too bad, but they're polyester, so they are hot. Uh, right. Mission Space is comfortable, but it's it's no fun to get screamed at in your jammers. Like, you just don't. Sure. I'd rather wear polyester. I feel like that is more of a shield, <laughs> so like armor comparatively. Um, but that's... Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's been a few places I've never worked. I always said whenever uh, the Star Wars area opened up, I couldn't imagine wearing the outfits they wear, but they say they're comfortable. Okay. Uh, and my favorite is Disney put this new technology in place up, I think it was at the front by the ticket booth. But it's basically like a blue shirt, and they've got Mickeys on them, and when they get hot, the Mickeys show up, which is awesome, but it's Florida. And it just shows up in their pits, and everywhere you sweat, yeah. it's just Mickey there. So then it's just highlighting all the terribleness of your sweatiness. Right. And uh, I'm, it's one of those things where I'm like, the wonderful technology, terrible use of it. Well, and that's the funny part. Like, I remember shirts like that from when I was in middle school. That was uh, the big thing was the, the, like, heat reactive and sunlight reactive clothing and i've been a i've been a fat kid my entire life and that was basically yeah. just going to show up in my pits and under the man boobs that's all that's yeah, all yeah, i was yeah. getting it's not a good look at all but yeah it does not work to your own your own use you know i've always <laughs> i've always felt bad my favorite ride in all the parks is haunted mansion but i've always felt bad for the people that work in haunted mansion because those uniforms mm-hmm. the the costumes just seem like they would be god awful uh, I'd like to be in Florida heat with them. So it's hard to get into Haunted Mansion because so many people are into it. So they're really uh, hardcore over there. They they want to wear that stuff. They have no place. They're, at Halloween time, they're one of the only ones that's allowed to come in early and do like um, like zombie type makeup. Okay. So and so those cast members will come in early, unpaid, to wear makeup for the Halloween parties, and so that just shows by itself what it takes to work at Haunted Mansion. That's uh, why, and I know, I, uh, we wouldn't do that. I would never show up early for anything unpaid. Uh, so, I, you know, I can't imagine. And that never hit me. I, there, got, there have to be some rides, that, some rides or attractions where there's got to be like a wait list for them. I, I never pondered that. So other than Haunted Mansion, what are some of the other ones that kind of have a wait list? I'm assuming like... Um, I would guess like Space Mountain, but I'm interested to know what other ones would, would have like a wait list like that. Yeah, I know that Peter Pan kind of has a wait list. Because most of those rides, those people have worked there since it opened. And okay. uh, until they retire, they are not removing their parts. And one of the things at Disney is you are, your whole system is done by seniority. So your schedule is by seniority. Your days off are by seniority. Those people will not leave. And also right. the craziest thing is, uh, years ago, when you were a cast member, you used to get a raise every year. So we used to work with these people that had been there since they since the park opened that were making ridiculous amounts more than us um, because they they were grandfathered into the raise every year. And so they were oh, still wow. getting one. And so some of them made like $45 an hour if they'd been there since they were Whoa. 18. I worked with one guy that retired early because he wasn't going to make too much more and he was able to move to i can't minnesota or somewhere and build a house dude he'd lived in florida his entire life and he'd worked there since it opened he was janitorial magic kingdom and it's yeah it was it was crazy and so those people keep those rides under lock they don't leave until they're done 
And so right. you just don't get in. If a spot opens, you get it, but it does not happen often. A lot and I'm of sure stuff you, I'm sure. And I'm sure getting into those rides, even when somebody leaves, you're looking at a battle royal then. It's got to be a fight for who's going to get that next then. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, I, I would probably be my last real Disney question here for, cause I definitely have some other topics that you cover on your TikTok that I want to talk to you about, but what's that one piece of a Di- Disney advice that you give to your friends and family that like nobody else, nobody else really knows about? Um, hmm. I mean, my thing is always start from the back, work the way of the front because people okay. always run the first attractions they see when a poor ride opens, you know? Oh, and actually, better question because you used to work at Epcot a lot. When you go, uh, when you go around the world, which way do you go? Which way do you start? Do you start in Mexico or do you start in England? Oh, I start in Mexico. I'm not psycho. Or in Canada? Pardon me. Uh, no, 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 yeah, no, I, I start in Mexico. I'm not. I, I, I you know. Well, now hold, <laughs> it, now, as, now hold it. As a psycho, then what, what, why am I a psycho? Why why is Canada wrong and Mexico right? I have absolutely no idea. I think it has <laughs> okay. something to do with tequila, but that is what I've been informed, that it, you are incorrect if you go to Canada first. And after a certain point, it just becomes a rule of thumb, you know. I have absolutely no idea. Mecca, okay. you know, Canada is delicious, but you're a psycho if you go to Canada first. Uh, I, I am okay with being an Epcot psycho. I'm going to get a t-shirt made that says Epcot, Epcot psycho because I definitely hey, go to oh. Canada every time. So yes, I can go to Canada first. Yes, I so, am ashamed of my. <laughs> so, um, you and I have uh, one big other than being uh, Disney nerds. Obviously, you and I have another big thing in common. Uh, you are you are a self admitted theater kid like I am. Uh, I I I know. I think you said you started a little later in the theater world, right? When did you start doing theater or getting into the theater, the theatrical uh-huh. arts as they were? I didn't get into the theatrical arts until uh, community college, and then I went straight into it and majored in it. And so I have a degree in musical theater. I have two degrees: I have a degree in musical theater and a degree in technical theater. Okay. Um, because I had okay. just enough college credit hours that if I took one more class, I'd get that. Um, so yeah, but I didn't do it in like high school or anything. Um, but I've been masking my whole life, so that, that's like a lifetime of practice. Right. So <laughs> what? What are uh, what are some of your favorite theater roles that have you done? And then everybody's got the one dream role they've never done, but they want to. So, what are some of the favorite roles you have done, and what's your, what's the dream role? Ooh, I mean, some of my favorites. I did um, the constable in uh, Fiddler on the Roof. That one was pretty solid. And then I did uh, the uh, up down down. I did uh, oh man. I did a police officer in Urine Town, which was pretty nice. Awesome. And I've done some little like weird whimsical stuff, kids stuff shows that were great. I okay. think if I ever had to pick like a dream role, it would be something like Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors, or maybe uh, something from the last five years. You know, something something interesting. But yeah, the older I get, the less I can fit into those roles. So it's right. starting to become less of a more of a pipe dream. Yeah, no, I actually, interestingly enough, somebody asked me not too long ago what one of my dream roles were for, for theater. And uh, it, w- uh, it was interestingly enough, it was the dentist from Little Shop. Um, I've, yeah. always, 
especially after seeing Steve Martin do it in the movie. I've always wanted to try that out just once to say I did it. But oh, for sure, and Steve Martin did a fantastic job. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, that's a, that's an excellent movie too. That's a great one to uh, to, to definitely catch up on. So, um, you are. Uh, oh, actually, you know, it's like slight rewind to, to Disney. I do love the. Um, you've been doing a great bunch of series of videos lately for um, called Ma- kind of the Magic Breaks where you're stopping mm-hmm. it and showing those magic, those magic moments for you. What's one magic moment that you experienced, whether you were fully part of it or just saw it happen while you were, while you were working at the parks? Oh, I've seen all kinds of cool stuff. Most of it's usually stuff where like uh, a kid either thinks they're not tall enough and they are. And so then you get to like walk them on the ride. Um, I've also seen, cause we worked at toy Story, So we got a lot of make a wish children okay. and, um, and everybody gets to write Toy Story. That's one of the reasons that it's so it was so popular. What it was is because babies could write it. So right. Um, right. when you see a whole family get to write something that they didn't realize they were all going to get to go together on, it's it's really amazing. And I've had some simple ones, but nothing that's really too you know sticks out too much. And that's the problem is. Uh, people always ask, like, what's what's your favorite magical moment? What is your favorite good thing that happened? And the problem is, is you can only remember them as bulk. Like sometimes I'll remember this, this or that, but in the moment you can't remember anything. Uh, no. Most of the stories, people will be like, "How do you remember this stuff?" And I have to write it down as I'm going through it because I just it's until you're doing something and you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." Uh, but I, like I said, Toy Story was amazing with it. We got so many kids that uh, you would bring them on, and it was just the biggest smiles on their faces, and the grandparents not being scared of that ride or not going up too high or in a boat. Uh, it was really, really made their days. Every other attraction I worked at, nobody was really that hyped when they got on it. Mission Space, nobody's ever really that hyped. Nemo's meh. But Toy Story, there were so many people that were hyped when they got on it. That's right. And Toy Story is it's still a great ride. I still love that ride. Oh, um, fantastic. Now, let me ask you for TikTok because I'm uh, we've been doing the show, the podcast for about eight years now. I just re- like I said, I just recently got onto TikTok. I, I'm interested for your videos. How long does it normally take you from like? inception like hey i remember this story and you write it down because you just you, like you said you kind of have to write them down to remember them uh what what's the time frame from when you kind of go hey i remember that write it down to when you hit submit on the video how, about how long does that process normally take you it, each video takes about 20 minutes okay um, so not too bad all right no i like to i try to go through and you know uh whatever my brain tells me to say i say it and that's usually why it's a little cut up as it goes is you're getting, you know, I'm stopping, I'm thinking, then I'm talking. Uh, Cause I find that every word is important. You don't just speak. Yeah. It needs to have a reason and a, a direction it's going. And, uh, but it's about 20 minutes for a three minute video. You start going and after a while you, you slowly kind of get your point going across and then you get done. And by the time you've re-listened to it and you've edited it, you've spent about 20 minutes, uh, you know, and if you do 10, 10 videos a day, 20 minutes each, you're, you're getting pretty deep after a while. Yeah. And do you, do you knock out that many videos in, at a time frame? Is it all, is it usually that many? 
yeah, I usually try to do them in in uh, segments. So I'll I'll save a bunch of different ones and have the the pre video saved and ready to go, and then I'll go out and I'll start talking because it. You know, it's like anything else. Some days you can find the words better than others, and if yeah. I do them all at once, I seem to get a better uh, system to it. It all sounds a little better. But then every so often you'll get one that, that you'll have 10 or 11 videos you did on a day that you did not have it together. And I'm just watching all week being like, that's a terrible one. I don't <laughs> like that one either. But they were good in the moment, but uh, once you come back. Now, um, I, I'm interested because... I, I was looking you up because I wanted to show um, my daughter some of your videos, and uh, I went looking to see if you were on YouTube. I did find you did have a YouTube channel briefly, but it it doesn't have much up on it. If TikTok goes away, do you have a thought of where you might move this to? Would you take it over to YouTube, or what would be the uh, what would kind of be the next step from there in the event that something happens with uh, with the clock app here? Yeah, hopefully nothing will happen, but if it does, um, right now I've been uploading all my stuff to YouTube and Clapper um, to kind of get those out, but it's usually only the newer stuff. At some point, I'm going to have to pull all my old videos off onto like a hard drive just in case. But uh, right now, yeah, YouTube and Clapper, um, they just don't have the same momentum, but right. uh, it's definitely, you know, sometimes it's more of uh, getting in the lifeboat than anything else right take what you got no absolutely yeah and and do you think do you think that do you think if you had stuck more with youtube that it would have taken off the way tiktok did or do you think it's because of the way the the tiktok app is set up is why everything kind of took off for you i mean i don't know but i really feel like it's probably just the way tiktok is set up it just the the use of it works in a just the speedy way that YouTube doesn't, you know, YouTube's been around. I've had videos on YouTube from different accounts for years and uh, nothing is quite the same as TikTok. So I can't imagine, but you know, like I said, hopefully nothing will happen. It sounds like uh, yesterday they were all saying they wanted to ban it and then today they're all kind of changing their tune, but I think they're realizing that, you know, billions of people on this app just don't, you know, they don't want to hear that you're going to take it away. Right. And uh, I don't think they realized it was going to be that loud. Especially considering that a lot of the stuff that they're pointing at TikTok app or similar things that Facebook's doing, and they're not saying anything about them. So, well, you know, I, I guess it, it definitely becomes a what's, why is one okay and not the other? But I mean, yeah, that's, I, and I, that was, I found the funniest is um, if it had been Facebook, we would have all watched it. We'd have seen the complaints and so on, but they would have slowly kind of gained interest. We'd have learned some facts. So with TikTok, it seemed like two or three days after the congressional hearing, we all knew the facts. And um, that type of information with speed is just, there's just nothing like it. You just can't put that lightning in the bottle all the time. Right. So... Well, excellent. Well, uh, Dapper, again, it, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Uh, this is usually uh, the time in the episode where we have uh, three final questions that we tend to ask everybody. The uh, first one we call uh, the Trevin Adams memorial question, even though Trevin isn't dead. Trevin, if you're listening, hi. Uh, the question goes thusly. It's uh, late at night. Let's say at the time you got finished with your uh, 
with your uh, shift, you're driving home after uh, being in mission space all day, and you have a little bit of a, a rumbly in your tumbly, as it were. Uh, you see a shining beacon of light for food. Uh, is that shining beacon a sheet, or is that a Wawa? Always a Wawa. Never. Okay. It's always Wawa. Wawa Never. for life. Have you dealt with sheets at all before, though? Oh, I've been to sheets. I've been to sheets a okay. few times as we passed by, but uh, Wawa is a Jersey thing, and there's nothing like it. The coffee is to die for. Um, and just can't beat it. Like, I can't beat sandwiches and the coffee. So, uh <laughs> Question number two is normally geared more, obviously, towards a wrestling question. We'll normally ask in, in wrestling, uh, if there's somebody that's no longer alive, who would you want to work with and why? Um, I will turn it over to a little bit of a, a Disney or an art question or even a theater question. If there's anybody in any of those uh, veins that you could have uh, worked with, met with, spoke with, uh, who would it be and why? I mean, if it was the art world, it's going to be Wayne White. He's my favorite artist. I would love to do things with him. Okay. Um, and if it's going to be the theater world, ooh, that's a tough one. If I could work with one person in the theater world. Man. I mean, it'd probably be like Josh Gad. Uh, there's a lot of other ones I would love to meet, but if I was going to work with somebody, I can't imagine that wouldn't be super fun. Um, Josh yeah. Josh Gad, an excellent Disney and theater answer, actually. So you yeah. you kind of covered both bases on that one. So, ah, yeah. Did you I did you uh, like did you like Josh Gad's work as a uh, as a skipper recently? I did. Fantastic. I'm glad that he finally got his skipper position. Right. So. And uh, last question is uh, is an interesting one. Uh, so it goes a little something like this normally. Uh, we here at the IndyCast believe that all animals in nature have certain traits that assist with their survival. Uh, giraffes have the long necks, rhinos have the big horns, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, our belief is uh, the human's trait is the ability to use tools. So with that being said, one Mr. Dapper Manatee, if you could fight any animal, what weapon would it be, what animal would you fight and what weapon would you use to fight it? I think if I had to fight any animal, it would be um, probably a lemur because they're so full of themselves. They can just kiss my ass. <laughs> um, and I'd probably fight them with uh, mongoose because I would okay. feel terrible fighting them. So I just send out a mongoose. It'd be lemur mongoose territory, and I would just stand back. So Very yeah. nice. You're using an animal with an animal. I have never considered that before, but that's, that is a wonderful answer. So, you got to fight animals with animals. That's right. So, well, excellent. Well, uh, Damper, this is the uh, point of the episode uh, where professional wrestler Mr. Brian Cage told us we could officially call Get Your Shit In. Uh, tell everybody where they can uh, find you on TikTok, where they go. You've got merchandise. Where can they buy your merchandise, including uh, the very awesome Mitch shirt that I need to order at some point? Uh, uh, the, uh, the floor is yours, sir. Sweet. Well, if you're trying to find me, I can always be found on TikTok with Dapper Manatee. Basically, if you Google me, I'm like the first 20 things to pop up. Um, I'm also on YouTube. I believe it's The Dapper Manatee and Clapper as The Dapper Manatee as well. Um, and my merchandise, if you go to my TikTok, there's a link on my bio, and that'll take you to my shop where all my art is and all my merchandise and all that jazz. And we are working towards trying to get shirts that are bigger than 2X. 
Um, so actually, it looks like we're getting up to six X. So that's really pretty cool. Um, Very yeah. nice. And, and and the second you get that, please send me a message. I will uh, then I will immediately order that Mitch shirt because I do need a four X. I haven't been a two X since eighth grade. Uh, I would love that, to be yeah. back to it one day, but I'll get there. So. <laughs> Well, uh, Dapper, once again, it's been a pleasure having you on to uh, all of uh, the the wrestling nerds out there, or I guess in this instance, this is a Disney nerds episode for all our Disney nerds out there. Thank you once again for listening to the IndieCast. Uh, until next time, everybody, I am, as always, Chad Allen, and we always say, Deuces. Hercules Mulligan. A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you <laughs> fucker. Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six pack and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone cold Steve Austin. Love dick. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.